The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Extended. Hi, this is Peter Johnson from Aerospace Radio Station Extended. And we bring you some of Europe's best guests. He's, he's been something of, of an unsung hero of the American space program outside those who are, have made it their business to become aficionados of it. News. <laughs> some people will call you mad. Some people will call you heroes. Uh, uh, and everyone else is probably somewhere in that spectrum. It's, uh, it's an amazing project to, to pull together from literally from scratch. And views. You've got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and learn from that experience. And that's not an easy thing to do, Peter, learning from your own failure. So why not give us a listen if you want to hear about warbirds, aviation, and the aerospace industry? Come over and give us a visit. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of Extended. Extended. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show. I'm your host, Dave Homewood. In this episode, I sat down with Eddie Leaf, a veteran of RAF Bomber Command. Here's the interview. Can you give me your full name? Edward Leaf, known as Eddie Leaf. Yep. L-E-A-F. And your, um, your, your Air Force rank? A warrant officer. Okay. And uh, your date of birth? 8th of March, 1922. Okay. Uh, and uh, where were you born? In England, uh, Leeds, Yorkshire. Leeds, okay. Uh, right. And so, um, 1922, did you say? 1922, yes. So that make you about 97? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. That's dead right. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, you obviously grew up in Yorkshire. Yes. Oh no, no, not 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 really. Uh, I was really brought up in the United States in Detroit. Okay. How my, did that happen? My, my, my dad was an engineering pressure tool and die maker, and uh, he he worked in the United States at the Ford Motor Company. Oh, okay. Uh, into in Detroit, and uh, he had a very very strong Yorkshire accent. At the end of the, end of the Depression years, we're talking about 1929, 30, 32, yeah. uh, jobs were in, sh- in uh, short call, and they made things very uncomfortable for, for, for the old fellow, no matter how skilled he was. And in the end, the unions won. American jobs for Americans, and he certainly wasn't an American. Yeah. So with that, the bosses told him, We've got a factory uh, fairly new in uh, the Dagenham, uh, the Dagenham uh, England, Essex, and uh, the job's there for him. Okay. And so with that, he, we, he packed up everything he had. Uh, my American brother there at the time, he, uh, and uh, we, we went back to England and lived in, in Dagenham, working for Ford's there. So, um, we, what was your first um, uh, introduction to aeroplanes? Did you was that, was that in USA? Or? Well, I was in a skilled job, and uh, I could only join uh, if I wanted to be active in the war. As I said, submarines or bomber command, yep. and that appealed to me, and I put it put myself in for a pilot okay. and as soon as I uh, t- took the first exams it was good night nurse. 
I wasn't secondary education for a starter. Right. And I was wasting their time, it was implied to me. Uh, if you weren't secondary school at least, you weren't going to be a pilot. Right. And there was, was a certain mathematics involved in passing for a pilot and it was totally beyond me. So what had you been doing before then, uh, after leaving school? In engineering, factory. Yeah, I was uh, and I started an apprenticeship about just before the war started. Okay. And that's what I did and what I went back to. Okay. Yep. And what I've been at it until the, oh, I worked for Gallagher Engineering here yeah. when he was a, a shed, as you saw by the photograph. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> but um, he was most unusual. He shared his profits. And when he came around handing money out to the blokes, I saw him going around to the various guys. Then he came to me and gave me this handful of notes, pound notes. <laughs> uh, your share of the profit, he said. Wow. Oh, remarkable. But the work was tedious. It was, uh, you're on dirt floors. I never dreamt that he would move from that to the huge factory he's got now. No. Never dreamt he had it in him. Well, he didn't really. It was his boys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and his boys, twins, I remember them well. In fact, I got to meet them at some do that Gallagher Engineering was having when they were established in, as a very wealthy firm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I met these two boys now as uh, directors. Yeah. And uh, they weren't at all pleased to see me. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> oh, and if I'd have shut up, I'd have probably got, got away with it. But because the first minutes of the conversation was very, very friendly. They weren't sure who I was. <laughs> and when I told them I was Eddie Leaf, and I remember when you did this and I did that, and I'd come to work in the morning and the lathe would be a hell of a mess. I had a four-jaw ch chuck uh, in action and they got and missed, uh, messed around with it. And to get a job back in a four-jaw chuck, you got a hell of a job. And I told them so, foolishly. And uh, it was made very clear to me, uh, nice seeing you, goodbye. <laughs> but that was me. Uh, I, I, it was a nice do, and I, I was there a while. <laughs> Dad's hand must have moved from Dagenham to yeah. Leeds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Bill Gallagher would never dream that he, his two boys would finish like they have four-storied high engineering shop. Yeah. True. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So um, let's get back to the Air Force. Um, when you first joined up, where did you get posted to? Uh, a place called Croydon. Uh, which is a, a big air force base, and it's still the, one of the main air forces bases for London. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it, it, it was it was a very good air force base there, Croydon. And so you went in as a, an air gunner, didn't you? Eventually. Uh, no, I, I, I f f fancied myself some, something a bit better than that. And then a flight engineer I put myself down for. Okay, yeah. But uh, they just, if you didn't have education, the Air Force wasn't interested. They, the, the secondary education was proof that you were intelligent enough to do it. Yeah. And. Uh, I think I'd have made a hell of a good flight engineer, to be honest. I'd often have talks with Bob Leadham. He was our flight engineer, and I was on ground with him right away. I mean, I knew what it was all about. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we we were we were a very good crew. So you can imagine, after years go by, there's a knock on my door one Sunday. I open it, and standing there. Is Bob Lee about six feet back from the door? Yeah. Is Bob Lee and <laughs> Charlie Corley? I had that dreadful feeling. Hell, I've seen these guys before. <laughs> no, not for the first minute. And it was Bob Lee. So they went to all that trouble, at expense, to fly from England to New Zealand 
to see Eddie leave. That's good. And I thought, well, Eddie, myself was, you must have been pretty good. Because I was told by Air Force doctors, we were frequently medically examined. Mm -hmm. uh, and if there was anything wrong with you, you were out. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was told by these doctors, by Air Force doctors, I had an exceptional night vision. Okay. So, and I, I, I knew, I, I once said to, we were attacked by a night fighter, a German night fighter, Messerschmitt 110. And I said to the Mehmet Upper Gun, I said, how the hell did, why, why didn't you open fire? You had a better look at him than me, I said to him. He said, Eddie, I never saw him. <laughs> oh, that was a good job. Charlie didn't know that. <laughs> but I did. And I claimed, I, I, I destroyed one. I don't like that word, destroyed. But, because uh, I feel sorry for the guy in some ways. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was very good. Then I become an, an instructor myself, and I moved up to warrant officer. And, Oh. So when you when you first um, trained up, uh, where did you train up? At Croydon Airport. Uh, did you do all your gunnery training there? Or? No, no. That was I, I was a police. I was police uh, attached to the um, military police. Oh, right. And I can tell you, I liked that so much. Uh, I very nearly ch uh, trained, and they would have accepted me willingly, because I used to. Well, as that, I was a LAC, uh, I would be going to uh, railway stations, I remember them well, Croydon was one, and uh, I had Air Force uniform on, but a big red band around my arm with MP on it, military police. And I can see me, I'd be standing in, in the shop doorway, like this, you see, and that sort of thing, and looking all around. And you'd be surprised the amount of Air Force guys who were walking by Audrey and they spot me and whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and some used to invariably go in the other direction. Yeah. I was surprised how much power they, that had. And I very, very nearly, I was, they persuaded me to become a policeman. I had the height and okay. uh, I enjoyed the job and I did the experience as well at Croydon Airport. Yep. And I very nearly did, in fact, I really should have done because I would have, they, in, the, in the military police, they didn't care what the hell kind of education you had, okay. as long as you were a policeman. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I stand there in a railway station sometimes with the red band on. I stand to attend. I'd be looking all around, just stood there, and you'd be surprised the amount of officers or men who see you and that they're not supposed to be on leave or whatever. Something is the matter with them. And they would jump, boys, and they'd stop and make turns go this way. And, <laughs> uh, it was it was very good. Then, of course, so uh, report to a squadron, and uh, that was it. Seven men in a bomber. And we become very fast of friends, uh, dependent upon one another. Yeah. As I say, I was very surprised and flattered that two guys came all the way from England to see Eddie Lee. And when I'm driving that car as I was here, uh, driving around, I look in the rear vision mirror, and there's Charlie Corley sitting on the back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, so I gave. I took them all, all over the place. There was real, 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 You remember, don't you, Chris? I do. Yeah. So what? Uh, what type of aircraft did you first get into? Uh, Sterling. Sterling's. Okay. Sterling's was the biggest bomber there was, but it was a, a really a converted flying boat. Mm. It, it, there's photographs of. I've got them in a book there of the uh, Sterling flying boat yeah. and uh, it was slow 
It was slow. It couldn't get beyond 16,000 feet was his absolute limit, with the bomb load even less sometimes. And, uh, well, that was, that was all part and parcel of it. Were they quite comfortable to fly in? No, not really. Really? No. I thought being so big and bulky no, inside... They, 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 they didn't compare with the Lancaster. They didn't compare. They were slow, they were slow uh, getting to their height, and uh, they just did, which is, when you're attacked by a German night fighter c c coming in at you like this, you've got to be, boom, turn into him. Yeah. I tell you what, when I yell, fighter, 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 top quarter, whatever it was, oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. And so you actually were in the Sterling on Ops? Yes. Yep. And then, yeah. Yeah. And what squadron was... was Pardon? Which, which squadron was that with? 90 squadron. Oh, yeah. uh, then uh, I went to 82 PFF from Pathfinder Force. And uh, they were, that was, uh, they had just one bomber. And that was an ancient old, uh, whatever, well forgotten now. And uh, he was a, the guy in charge of the aircraft, which was astonishing, was a civilian, an elderly civilian. And we, the crew, weren't told what, what was what. The pilot was, of course, but we, the rest of us, weren't told. And our job was to fly out to the English Channel when the Germans were bombing England. Otherwise, we did nothing, more or less. Yeah. And we could, this guy was so clever, he could hook on to the uh, wireless instructions that the bombers were getting. And he could convert it. He could change it so instead of flying to England, they were flying to the Atlantic Ocean. Right, and on, a, on the night, you can't, you can't look down and confirm where the hell you are. And they'd fly out to the Atlantic. Uh, oh, yeah. I think I've got photographs of that somewhere. So the, um, was that with the same crew? Did you stick with the same crew no. to that? No. Oh, this was an entirely different crew, yeah. Oh, I'd left Bomber Command then I was with these guys, Special Duty. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, we were, that's what we were called, beam benders. Yeah. Yes, as I say, the beam that they were Germans were flying on, this clever guy who never wore a uniform, he could bend it, and the poor sods would fly out. Atlantic. Oh, he was a clever old sod. And he refused to wear a uniform, I remember them telling me. He was a civilian, and if he didn't like the bloody dinner, he told you so. <laughs> I even forget his name. You looked at the flying logbook, have you? Mm, yeah. I might have his name in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a little regret I have, I would have liked a real gong, a DFM. I thought I earned it. I did it. The pilot got a DFC, Distinguished Flying Cross, which is officer rank only, yeah. a cross. But uh, it was not to me. Right. Oh. But I survived, that's the main thing. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, after you were with the beam benders, is that when you became a, an instructor? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And where were you instructing? Oh, in England, around Cornwall uh, there. And um, you'd, uh, my, my job was, was the air gunners, the two air gunners. Mm -hmm. There'd be an, 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 another instructor pilot up front with the, with the pilot there. Yep. And he was directing things. All, all I was concerned about that we, we meet the, uh, the fighter enemy that we were go going, which is English, of course. And he was acting the part of a German yep. fighter. And, uh, that was what, what, I, what, what I did. And then the war came to an end. Right. right. <laughs> and it was as though there had been nothing done. 
you just put on, they gave you a, a suit, everybody wore, wore a suit, which just to divert for a moment. When I was getting married, I asked a good old friend of mine had come out on the same boat to uh, be my best man. Yeah. And uh, he said, yes, I've only got a demob suit. I said, well, so why? <laughs> and so we stood before the altar getting married in the identical suit. <laughs> Which was dark blue with a, with a light blue stripe, a hell of a suit. But it doesn't show in black and white photographs. The date was from India, via yeah. Egypt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So how, how did you finish up out in India? How did I? Finish in India. Well, um, I had about a year there. We were all given a dis discharge date of first in, yep. first out yep. was, was the rule. And I was, I was all right. I come out pretty... Uh, India was a tremendous uh, treatment uh, to me of how the English could be so disliked. We were positively hated. Uh, as I say, you'd be walking down the streets of Bombay or wherever, I was all over India. You could be walking down the streets of Bombay and uh, you'd be, you'd pass somebody, uh, a, a, big, a, a guy who was a beggar uh, in, in a shop doorway. That you went by, you'd go, Jahinder. And Jai Hind is, quit India. Oh, quit India, I said to one guy. Hell, I can't get out quick enough. <laughs> quit India. <laughs> but it <laughs> also means Egypt. Beetlejuice on, on your uniform. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, you can't get it off. Was, oh, boy. You were in Egypt as well? Uh, yes. Yeah. What was that like? Oh, very good, yes. I'm, uh, I'll never be ashamed to be English, so, whereas Dad, my brother was very proud to be American. Dad, tell the story about you camped, you arrived, about what? In, you arrived in, dark, in the darkness, and when you woke up in the morning and pulled back the flaps of your pup tent, yes. he could see the pyramids. Oh, right. Yes. Can you imagine not knowing where he was yeah. and he yeah. opened the pup tent flaps in there with the pyramids <laughs> and the space yeah. <laughs> Oh, the stories I do tell. <laughs> but India, I could understand it was a huge country, about ten times the size of England, and uh, there they were, uh, subject to English. But there's no objection now. I don't think they they settled down to it. They're they're free and easy. Yeah. Uh, I told this story to the lo lo local shopkeepers here. Well, nearly did, and I got the quick reply that they they didn't want to know. <laughs> they didn't want to discuss it any further. <laughs> uh, um, giant. <laughs> One of the things I noticed in your logbook is you went from the Stirling to the Halifax, and then the Lancaster, and the Liberator. Yeah, no, 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 I didn't go to a Liberator. I saw a Liberator. Maybe yeah. you were a passenger? Yes, yes, oh, yeah. oh yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which do you think was the best out of the, the Stirling, Halifax, and Lancaster? Well, without a doubt, Lancaster. That, was, that, was, that could withstand a lot of holes. Uh, whereas uh, a Sterling, uh, any fairly major d d d damage and she was gone. Right. Yeah, she'd lose flight, be able to, couldn't maintain her. Because as I say, she was a converted flying boat. Mm, yeah. yeah. And the Halifax, what was that like? It was a design bomber, yeah. It was a good bomber, but slow. The best bomber by far, and I was an instructor on them was this Lancaster. Right. Boy, they got they do 30,000 feet, no trouble at all. And when you're at 30,000 feet, the, the attacking aircraft, generally, that's just maximum too, so it's coming from underneath. Yeah. 
Whereas in any other type of aircraft, they can come at you from all angles. But that was one of their chief things, right. the Lancaster bomber. Yeah. Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days, gee. We thought we were bulletproof. We were only kids, 20, 21. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And you got to go back to England to um, have a look at the memorial. I don't know whether I've seen it or not. Yeah. I have, not I? Ian Cooper is. Yeah, I've got a photograph of me taken beside it. Yeah, yeah. Hyde Park. Mm. Yeah, entrance to Hyde Park. Yes. Of course I have. Yeah. Oh, heaven's <laughs> sakes, yes. I quite enjoyed that. I was a strange. It's just beside a bus stop, too, isn't it? And the Royal Air Force Club Rooms. You stayed yeah. at the RAF Club Rooms. Oh. And then you went to Lincolnshire. Oh. And you yeah. flew with Mum yes. in, in the in the Lancaster. Yeah. You crawled into the turret. Oh, good for you. Into the That's rear been gun four years. <laughs> yeah. I didn't go, but I've, uh, I've heard. Yeah, those were the days. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. <sighs> You'll be forever grateful to Ian Cooperus for that. Yeah. It's just amazing. Absolutely. So uh, what? What are the memories that um, really stick in your mind from operations? What was the scariest moment or...? Uh, for the first time in my life, I was frightened. I, I think that was, uh, that was the major thing. I, up until then, I didn't know what the word frightened meant, really. But... Uh, you only had one war yeah, word. You could... Tell me about the war word. One time when you came back and the bullet had gone, they couldn't, the crew couldn't believe, the ground crew couldn't believe. Oh, yes. Yeah. The ground crew couldn't believe that you had survived. Brian, Brian Berry. No, the ground crew couldn't believe that you had survived. Yes, oh. Because the bullet had gone right through, but you oh, must have just yes. got your head yeah. down. Oh, they asked me, yeah. They saw me coming. The, uh, the, the, the ground crew saw the crew coming back to do uh, clean my guns. They would, they would, they didn't do it. You know, the air gunner himself cleaned his gun, and they saw me coming there. And, hey, come on, hey, come on, like this. And I went over over to the rear gun turret where where they were, and uh, they said, "Look at this," and there was a hole. In the side of the aircraft, you could put your fist in. In fact, I did. And he come out the other side. And they were amazed to see me alive. And when I looked at that, I was surprised. And they insisted I get inside. So in the aircraft, I get, get myself in the gun turret. And I sit there. And I thought, this is bloody nonsense. Look at it. It's there. Yeah. There and out there. And I'm sat like this. But I wasn't set that day. I remembered now. I, this fighter was coming in from below. And I was up like this with four machine guns pointing downwards, standing up like that for two or three minutes, that's all. I then sat down again in my usual position. Lucky. Oh, Lord. You could put your fist in it. Wow. There and there. Like I was in the gun turret here now. Have you seen the photographs of the... Have I... Of got, what? Have you got the photograph? Of what? Of the air, aircraft. The, 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 oh, you see... The, yeah. the Sterling? Yeah. No, I haven't seen... I've never seen photographs of the, the damage to it. But no. that's... You know, I've heard that I've heard that story. Yeah. But the only wound he got was on his arm. Um, but he did have ear damage too. Oh, yeah. Yep. Sent to hospital yeah. for ear, ear problems. But, uh, what yeah. were you wearing in those days? What? What were you wearing in the cockpit because it was so cold? The battle dress. If you know what the ar army battle dress was, uh, brown, well, ours was blue, dark blue. That's what. And you had a great it big was just bomber, a, bomber jacket? Yeah, and trousers. It wasn't uniform. That's just what, what you wore. Right. A sheepskin-lined bomber jacket. Yes, oh and, yes. And your boots. Yes, yeah, right up to here. Wool, I presume it was wool, 
wool-lined boots. How did you keep warm in, in the rear gun turret? You didn't get warm. Right. You no, were lying on your clothing. To yes, absolutely, yeah. Oh no, the Air Force weren't going to be bothered whether you were out of cold. <laughs> and, and how did you come by that silk map that you have given to me? You, that map? The silk map of Ger of Germany and Europe and all the rest of it that you sh that the pilot oh, shoved down his boots. Yeah, yeah, no, I've forgotten that, Chris. Yeah, but I think Reg Mitchell. Yeah. It, 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 Charlie Corley must have had one too. The silk maps shoved down their boots in case they got shot down. Oh. They didn't weigh much. Remember you telling me oh. about that? Fascinating story. Yeah, you've given it to me. I've got yeah. I've got the silk map at home. You have? Yeah. Oh, good old. Yeah, no, I've, I've put, I've printed it. It's on yeah. the wall. Yes. Blasting. Framed. <laughs> sure. Yes, uh, the, the sight of those two, uh, engineer and skipper, standing outside, right for, oh boy, I tell you, that was a, that was a shock upon shock, I couldn't believe it. That would have been a good catch-up after yeah. all those years. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, oh, four. Three-week three catch-up. And I drove them everywhere. Why? Did oh, you keep did in I touch ever... with your other crew? Yeah. Uh, oh, gee. Did you, I know. did you catch up with other crew members? Yes, uh, we were uh, Bob, Bob Leadham came to visit Yes, you he came as well one when day. When they were staying at the RAF coverings yeah. opposite the statue, yep. Bob Leadham actually came up yeah. and visited. And, we and they knew a... each other. They all, they, um, was it Jonathan Pote or somebody knew Bob Leadham? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah that was... Huh. Quite remarkable. Yeah. And they had a Air Force Association here of ex, ex bomber crews, and I got to be the president. All right. And I was for I did a whole year of that right. as the president. And uh, I realised, well, you know, pretty lucky, I suppose, <laughs> the way they were all talking to me. Yeah. But I'd have given my back teeth for a DFM. Yeah. When Charlie Corley got that DFC and they explained what he was getting it for, I just tapped him. I said, Charlie, part of that belongs to me. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. But he accepted and then, it. And then after the war, you went back to Leeds yes. and you worked in the yeah. factory for yeah. Crabtree and Son. Yeah. Um, Printing I, 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 to exaggerate, I thought I'd walk into the factory uh, a hero. Not at all. The trade union boys were right against it. Hellfire, I was a registered apprentice right. to, a, to this outfit on W. Crabtree. But uh, didn't go down with trade. <laughs> That's typical. <laughs> no. 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 Well, and what year did you move to New Zealand? Uh, 1951. Okay. Uh, yes, I think it was 1951 I arrived here. Had you served with New Zealanders at all? Uh, I think it was 49, Dad. Uh, I think it was 1949. 1949? Oh, yeah. well, yes, you're, yeah. But my memory is definitely a goner, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Had you served with New Zealanders in the RAF? Uh, uh, sorry, what? Had you served with New Zealanders in the RAF? Did you know Kiwis over there? or? Uh, yes, not, yes, yes. They were doing extensive repairs to our runway. And our next door, which is why I'm here, yeah. our next door uh, was New Zealand 75 Squadron. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so we would use their runway. Ours was all, whatever, whatever. We, we used the New Zealanders' runway. And they very kindly allowed us to uh, have lunch with them. Right. You see? And... <laughs> uh, We'd do our flying, 
circuits and bumps and so forth and exercises, then march into the mess, as they say, sergeant's mess, and uh, have lunch. And boy, what these Kiwis was having for lunch, we never look at it. I mean, it was terrific. This was real joints for all. <laughs> Oh, first-class meals that we never saw, <laughs> and uh, and we we were oh, a few days at that, and I was astonished how the airmen spoke to their officers. There wasn't any superiority of the officer towards the men. These were guys who were similar, who wore different uniforms with different badges, but they were. There was a, a joint appreciation of one another. It wasn't in the Air Force. My own skipper, Rupert Charles Corley, DFC, when he was commissioned from a flight sergeant, it was a different Charlie Corley, absolutely. That's why I took a great deal of treasure driving my car, looking in the mirror and seeing him at the back. I did. I did have a good, a good night, Richard. Oh, yeah. I wish I could think of the name. The uh, the little fellow who persuaded you, though, when you went back to work as an apprentice at Crabtree's. Crabtree's. Who, who took you under his wing and persuaded you to come out to New yeah. Zealand, where you'd you'd find well, far more opportunities out yeah. here. Yeah. I just, God, I shouldn't forget his name, gee. Yeah, he didn't have to. You've seen an analog book, haven't you? That, that, that's it yep. there, isn't it? Yeah, yep. but it, didn't, it doesn't have no. the other details I need to. It might refresh my memory, though, what it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A good experience, good, good life lived out of the ordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Dad's had a very interesting life. I mean, when he was brought up in America, yeah. it was before the time of the civil rights movement. Even. Right. I mean, Dad's impressions then of those days, living in Detroit before the civil rights movement, yeah. just amazing. Not bad. When you hear the stories of what his childhood was like yeah. in America. Did you see much of um, aeroplanes when you were growing up? Uh, Did I see much of aeroplanes? I mean, were you were you interested in aeroplanes when you were a kid, or no? Was it only just when you got no, to that point where you no, had to join that no, that you? I Dad was kind of mad as a kid. Yeah, yeah. not really. Uh, we formed an air force association here, all civilians. And yep. I had, had various invitations to airports, uh, even in Auckland, and were made very welcome. But uh, that's all really with aircraft. Yeah. Uh, uh, mm. But there is somewhere in Auckland there. Uh, Motet. Uh, yes, that's it, yeah. I looked at that and uh, I thought, oh, boy, did I fly in that thing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ah, oh. oh, yeah, those were the days. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was just the same. He used to talk about the First World War, him and his rifle and his bayonet, and oh, yeah. And I came and home on leave one time myself, and gosh, there's my old man in uniform, <laughs> complete with his war gongs. And he was uh, night, night something or other there. And he was a highly skilled tradesman. I, just, well, I wouldn't have thought that uh, they would have done that, but he, he joined for pleasure. Okay. Yeah, and it's a, it's a genuine, Army uh, uniform there that he wore, no makeshift thing, yeah. properly, and his 1914 18 gongs up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he's a fellow who said to me, Hey lad, just don't know what that's doing. <laughs> well, I was, said I was going to give up a, a reserve job and uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, go flying. Hey lad. When you were um, instructing, yeah, instructor, yeah. yeah. When you're in the aircraft and you've got a student, obviously, in the were you in the um, rear turret? 
A, did you have a student well, in the room? I room? would be. Uh, I, no, uh, I, I wouldn't take off in, in the rear turret and, and I wouldn't land in it either. Yeah. But uh, if he was in trouble uh, and he had a, in this particular case, the, 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 the pupil air gunner said the gun was stuck, he, he wasn't firing. Yeah. He had a blocked round in, in the barrel. And uh, the uh, skipper, I thought the skipper's going to just leave it and we'll land like that and finish. But not at all. The skipper said to me, go down there and clear that uh, stuck. Oh, fire. So I crawled down there to the rear gun turret and uh, get, get, get in and I realized it's really stuck. And I thought most skippers would have said to hell with it. It's one of four guns. Uh, but no, not this guy, and uh, I cleared it, but it's a hell of a job because the, air, the aircraft is always not staying straight. And, yeah. So and, when, uh, when you were instructing like that, were you mostly just not able to do anything? They just did their, the student did their If they got stuck, I went down there to the turret there, Yeah. Uh, and generally, tried to convey to him before I got in, do this or do that or do that, you see. Yep. Uh, and if he still didn't understand what I was getting at, uh, I'd get in and do it myself. Right. Yeah. Well, I took my job as a serious, very serious. So why, gee, it was. They had to do the full drill. Yeah. Well, their life yeah. depended on it, didn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh yes, bit of a gunner. Oh, <laughs> oh he just—he uh, didn't like that job at all. But he was cornered. He had to. That, he volunteered for it. And this was what he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, those were the days when you're young and you're fit and well and. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was lucky too, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> and and all of your original crew survived the war. They all all came through, or uh, no, no. The uh, yes, it was our wireless operator. That's who it was. Uh, as I heard that later on. Wireless operator, uh, yes, he was. He used to be co-pilot as well. That's what was confused me. Our wireless operator used to be co-pilot, take off beside the pilot, and so on. And when, when he was airborne, he'd go back to his what's the name? Yep. Um, uh, I forgot what I was saying then, but Charles uh, Cooley. Did he? Did he not survive the war then? The uh, no, 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 he did. That's that's right. Yeah, the wireless operator, child, Bob. He, he um, when when we finished our tour, we could all we were all spread out as instructors wherever, but not him. He uh, he had he, he finished like that, and he said he wanted to continue. All right. He wanted because the wireless operator. In the bomber is also the co-pilot. Is that mostly? Is that his radio set? And then, but he goes up beside the pilot and back to his radio set and so on. And uh, uh, he, he, that's what, that was his job. But he got the bright idea that he hadn't done enough, and he volunteered to go with a special duty. Mosquito Squadron. Okay. That was the best little aircraft, all-round aircraft there was in the war. A Mosquito. Co-pilot, wireless operator, and uh, off he went. And unfortunately, he was killed. Oh, yeah, they shot him down. He was uh, flying over Germany, and they shot him down. They hit the whole... There was only two of them, anyway. Right. Yeah, it was tough, that. Funny how you forget the. In fact, that is becoming a bit of a problem with me now. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm having to fight for memory sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. 
I said, when, when you have Johnny Joyce, what the hell was it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you've done very well. You, uh, I've got. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. But uh, the lucky break for me was though uh, arriving in New Zealand, and New Zealand in general, was didn't impress me at all. I uh, <clears throat> I wasn't that keen. So they decided the boys, that us six, said to have a party, have a party. Where do you get the girls? Uh, the nurses home. The key we said the nurses home. So away we went. Always, well, we sent one of our best-looking guys over there uh, and invited the, the nurses to a party we were having. And it so happened that my wife was one of them. Ah. Ginger curly hairs, looking good. And uh, I was taking no. Oh, I didn't have any teeth. That's right. My false teeth are gone. Yeah. I don't know why. Just forget now why, but I didn't. And uh, so it was all organized. The beer was there, and the others, the rest of the music, and so on. Uh, but not me. I stayed upstairs. And uh, after, when this party had been going, and the six nurses were there. One of the blokes come up to me and he said, hey, Eddie, he says, uh, one of those nurses has had a drink spiked. And uh, I thought, that's a sort of a thing. I said, well, so-and-so. He said, yeah, two Glasgow boys. And uh, downstairs I went there. And uh, I said, "What? Well, who was the girl?" And he says, "That red-haired girl there." And he says, "Well, that's all right," he said, and so on. And so I said, "Like hell it is, nurses." And I went over to her, and boy, sure enough, she was looking funny. Yeah. And uh, well, one of our guys had owned a motor car, a 1929 Austin Seven. Right. He's worth a fortune today. And uh, I said to him, we'll, we'll take you home in a, back there in a car. Because they'd walk there, you yeah. see, yeah. the six of them. And uh, I, I got in the back seat there, and she was in the front seat, and away she went. And uh, that was it. And then she got in touch with me. And I realized that I was a oh, nice girl, nice looking girl, farmer's daughter, mind you. Yeah. But, uh, a nice girl, and eventually I couldn't live without her. <laughs> <laughs> and you still live with her. <laughs> oh, and that was the best thing I've ever done. Excellent. Because, boy, there was no way on earth I was staying in New Zealand. No to hell with this place, boy. <laughs> Anti-poms for a start. No! <laughs> Ooh, boy, what? <laughs> this is in the factory, uh, A.N.G. Price. Yep. Boy, they made it rough for us fellas. Okay. And, uh, well, in fact, the majority of them cleared off, got the hell out of it. Yeah. Well, I did too, shortly afterwards, either. And nobody tried to stop us. <laughs> yeah, I've been past there a couple of times in the years gone by, and uh, I have a look at that factory and think, gee. They tell me it's, it's, it's out of business now. I haven't okay. been here, but uh, it was a big engineering factory. They did a lot of locomotives. Oh, right, yep. Yeah, steam locomotives yeah. at that. And uh, we were pretty good. And when we completed the job, the, 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 the steam locomotive was usually towed in uh, from Frankton, yep. generally. Yep. And uh, then we'd do a practice run on the railway line between Thames and somewhere else. And, uh, oh, <laughs> it was a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, six of us, or more, all on one locomotive. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Engineering, and that's for, I think that uh, the firm is still going. I haven't been there for years. Okay. Aging uh, price, they're not dead. They're yeah. Out.
course with the Dutch. <laughs> well, um, we probably should leave it there anyway, because I, yes. I need to get on and carry on. But uh, thank you very much, Eddie. It's, uh, oh, it's been a pleasure. Too much for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. <laughs>